Welcome everyone to How Winners Win. I am Daniel Blue. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Keita Spears, aka Hi Key. What up, winners? Man, guys, I'm jealous right now. Keita is in Hawaii while we do this podcast. He <laughs> is a Kamaaina. Is that what you call a local? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I haven't taken um, my slippers or flip flops off since I landed on the plane. So I'm officially an island boy. I love it. That's uh, the beauty of working remote, guys. The beauty of having the ability to, to work wherever you are. So he sometime today will be chilling and drinking some Mai Tais on the beach, maybe taking some calls, maybe trading some stocks the uh, the good life so in, enjoy the re- rest of your week kita and uh, appreciate you Thank still you, making sir. some time to do the podcast so we can pour into you guys and as always we love when you guys uh reciprocate obviously kita and i always want to pour into you guys and, and offer as much as we can to you guys and bring on some really really cool guests like we have today and then if you guys can leave us reviews on itunes and spotify that just means a lot to kita and i so we can keep keep jamming with you guys so let's get to the guest we've got dr I was going to say Dr. Dre, but I actually would rather talk to this doctor because she is really, really cool. Had a chance to connect with her recently. Her name is Dr. Andrea Adams Miller, and uh, she is in a lot of different things. The, The one thing that really... Um, stuck out to me is she's over a nonprofit that's just awesome. Her nonprofit has some some really awesome backing. Saw a picture with her and uh, you know Damon John, and they they do a lot of big things. So she'll share you know some really cool things about her nonprofit. But the the world that she operates in, she has a company called Red Carpet Connection, and uh, she is just the the master connector. She's an international uh, influencer. She's spoken on some really really great stages with people like Anthony. Hopkins, Les Brown, Brian Tracy. She's just an overall badass. So Dr. Andrea, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be with you. And Daniel, yeah, we met uh, through a, a funny coincidence. And the next thing you know, it, we're doing all kinds of amazing things to change the world. So uh, I love it when people take action. So thank you for stepping up and being that person. Yeah, well, we're grateful to have you here today. We've never Definitely. had, we've never had I think he thought we've only had, how many women have we had on the show? We had our moms one time, yeah, Dr. Andrea. I counted and, as a twofer, right? Yeah. So that's already well, I, I am a mom and a grandma, so I what? can represent. It's, yeah. oh, geez, I never would have thought you were a grandma. I love yeah, it. Yeah, my oldest daughter's 31. I had her when I was 21. So I'll be 53 in a couple of days. And I have a six and three-year-old a granddaughter and grandson. So, Oh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, that's uh, that's that's what life's about. So uh, you definitely uh, have a lot going on right now. So I know you operate a lot in the uh, the space of, of PR and and speaking and and things of that nature. How did you get into that space? Uh, well, I first became an international speaker when I was sixteen. I was uh, very involved in Girl Scouts and my mom and dad were my leaders and my mom wanted to go overseas. So it, for parents listening, this is a way to fulfill your bucket list. She's like, well, we have to go overseas if I take other people's kids with us. And so we created a subset group called SWITS 85, Scouts with Interest in Traveling to Zurich. And we were in Europe for over 20 days in seven different countries. And I was the president of that group. And so I had to speak at different companies like Marathon Petroleum had an office over there and other other international businesses at the time. So my job was then to get up and present why we were there, what our purpose was, what we were doing. So, you know, by the age of 16, I had seven countries spoken in under my belt. So pretty cool. Wow. <laughs> People yeah. are preparing for prom and you're halfway across the, the world <laughs> speaking in front of CEOs and VPs. I mean, that is pretty badass. Yeah. And it's been fun. So I've been able to keep doing that throughout my lifetime. Uh, there was a couple of years I took a, took a break from stage and actually didn't do stages for about six or seven years. And then just about before COVID, people were like, Andrea, where have you been? And I'm like, okay, fine. And they started asking me to speak again. And so I started getting on stage and then COVID hit. So I only got a couple uh, countries again. I was actually in Egypt when COVID hit and uh, we didn't think we could get home. And so that was fun. (laughs) What what was Egypt like? I hear that's just a surreal place to visit. 
I've had the pleasure of being there several times. And uh, this time we also got to go to Alexandria. So I spoke at the Women's Economic Forum. I, I got a I got an award. Oh, I forgot about that. I got an award. I, I um most iconic woman changing the world for good. I mean, what a freaking title. <laughs> like, wow. Honor. <laughs> it was really cool. <laughs> and uh, I, to be nominated for something like that, I'm like, what? It was just really, uh, I was very honored. But we got to go to Alexandria. And my dream was, I've read my whole life and used to read books about Egypt when I was a little kid, like three or four years old. And they have a uh, like a bookseller there with these books, like nowhere else in the world has, you know, these one of a kind editions. And it was closed because of the pending COVID situation. And I literally, there's a video of me looking in the door in the window, whining because <laughs> the books are right there. And I just couldn't get in to touch them or look at them. So now I want to go back. <laughs> with, without, without a mask. Right. Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you guys. Did you guys travel during COVID? I still traveled. Yep. Still had to get things done. <laughs> I, I still went. We still had events. We just had smaller events, private, you know, more, you know, secure and intimate. But I still, I went from traveling two times a week to traveling like almost twice a month. So it was a definite decrease and, and then no international travel, of course. So uh, that was definite difference for me. I, I, my family never saw me so much. <laughs> yeah. You just had to make sure you travel without Dr. Fauci knowing, right? You just got to wait for him to fall asleep and then you could, uh, you know, jump on a flight. So you've just have a lot of confidence. Like there's just this aura that uh, you know, I, I could just, I just get from you. And uh, I know it wasn't always like that. Typically people that, you know, are badass like you, they experience a lot of trauma, adversity, challenges. So let's, let's get into that. Like let's, what were some of the, the things, the setbacks that happened earlier in life that, that really gave you the, the personality and, and who you are today? Well, that's, I'm actually giggling that you said that because I, Literally, I literally made a list today of like crazy. <laughs> like I'm like, I'm like most people would not be laughing and smiling about this. So I'm literally going to pull it up because I think it's funny. Um, uh, it, it's just like, what a way to have a world like this happen. Okay. So, uh, uh, so this is just, I'll tell you about my past, but this is my last couple weeks, months. Um, so my uh, best friend, business partner um, is kind of flaked out and kind of separated over seven years, uh, which has created some, you know, chaos and like, okay, where do we go from here? Do we reconciliate? I don't have reconciliation. Do we get counseling? In fact, I made a whole thing today this morning about how do I create business counseling for businesses to help their relationships be better? Because I also own a relationship business and I'm like, that's a missing in business. They go straight to mediation and legal crap. What about just reconnecting and finding out what the missing is? Um, my grandma died. Uh, we're doing her estate sale, just finished it. The house that my grandfather built uh, 70 years ago by his own hand, his own design is being put up for sale. I just got an imminent domain letter because they're widening the river and they're going to take my office on the river. Um my mom and dad are finalizing their divorce on my birthday. Haha, <laughs> thanks. Um, where there was a domestic violence situation. Um, uh, my best friend died last year on my birthday. So it's the anniversary of her death. I just found out that somebody might be trying to embezzle from her nonprofit. And um, we just had a whole bunch of people in my cryptocurrency DAO kind of like, you know, as things change, you know how people can get like worried about things and they overreact and then get ugly instead of pretty, you know. And so literally this is all happening in my life right now. So if I didn't have the keep smiling movement and know that smiling literally changes your brain, it gives you dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins, I probably would be crazy or dead. <laughs> Look, it's just another yeah. Monday, Tuesday at the office. It sounds like <laughs> well, normally my life's cool. Like I don't have like this crazy drama. I mean, everybody's got stuff that comes up, but for all this to hit at one time, I mean, I I talk to people all the time. They have one thing happen, and they're like, they're out of it. Um, you know, I'm having all of this go on at the same time, and I'm I'm actually handling it very well. And uh, but I did. I grew up in a. Um, uh, a challenging household where, you know, I, I was not 
uh, seen or recognized as having anything important to say. And, um, and so that's been challenging throughout my years. And so some, thank you for complimenting my confidence because um, sometimes my confidence is not uh, received well in some areas and people misjudge my confidence as, as something other than being ridiculously giving. And that's really what I'm about is about sharing and creating great things. So if I mention something or bring something up, it's because I want to take action for good and I don't want to wait around for people to think about things. Yeah. You're, you're a winner. I, I've only met, known you for a few weeks now, but when I talk to you, I'm like, she's got her shit together. You, you are a winner. And, uh, I, I knew that very, very quickly. So kind of talk to us about the, I guess one, I, I and you don't have to answer this question if we get too personal, oh, but, it's all, no, but you're your fine. parents I, getting divorced, you said that you're 51. So your parents are what, like 70, 80, and they just said, fuck it. We're getting divorced. Like, <laughs> So this is interesting. You know, when you live your life in a household where there's discord, you learn how to be a really good actress. By the way, I, I act and sing as well, and I'm really good at it. And that's because when you grow up in this crazy where people can't get along and the communication is bad, you don't want other people to know because like, who's going to say, oh, yeah, you can go spend the night over there. You know, their parents might not get in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> like you go, yeah, my kid's not going. So I didn't want anybody to know. So, um, and then uh, things got better, like the domestic violence stuff stopped, but it was, there's still always discord. And then two years ago, you know, a Biden Trump argument created crazy. And um, my dad went over the line. And um, so this is the first time I'm publicly announcing this, but my dad tried to kill my mom. It's pretty sad, oh um, you know, <laughs> pretty sad. Like, like I, the way I said that was so stupid. Anyhow, um, he's, he's getting help. They're separated. You know, obviously that's the place to go um, is, is a divorce and he's not accepting that. Well, of course it's forcing him to change. So even though it's horrible, it's great because they don't have to spend the rest of their lives being in that ugliness. So my dad has an opportunity to change should he happen to take it because there are really great aspects of him. Like he was a phenomenal softball coach and took us all through great championships. And my mom is really, um, obviously she's the one who wanted us to take us to Europe. She's great. But the, you know, it's interesting to be this age and um, you know, and so when people are like, Oh, kids handle divorce. Well, um, they manage because they have to. And yeah, probably sometimes they actually will thrive better should the parents be separated, but it is challenging. So like I said, I own another relationship business. I just consulted with some kids the other day who are having challenges with handle and their mom and dad are being really great about it, um, but handling their parents' divorce because it changes their life. So for me, here I am for all these years, keeping that quiet, never telling anybody, but a few close friends. And then all of a sudden your parents are talking about it on Facebook and you're like, are you kidding me? I used to get beaten for telling those secrets. And now you guys are talking about it on Facebook. Of all places. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, really? So it's been, um, it's, and it's challenging. It's, I think it's, um, I think this is the first time I'm really being selfish about that. Cause I'm like, do you guys realize what this does to me? <laughs> Yeah. So it's, I mean, yeah, it's a challenge. <laughs> I want to talk about that. Cause you know, the, you know, coming from the little girl who's 16 is an international speaker now to the success that you've had in your career. You know, there's a lot of kids out there that are going through this situation right now, you know, COVID caused a lot of people to stay inside their house and maybe address some issues that, you know, had been <laughs> bubbling and bubbling and bubbling for years, but because they had a nine to five or their schedules were off, they only had five, 10 minutes to actually address the problem. Now yeah, you have two so years fighting. Now they're beating each other up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's close quarters. So like, you know, for someone to end up in the position that you've ended up at, and you said there's, there were challenges in the beginning for the younger audience or maybe people that are still carrying some of that trauma, how do they get to the point where, you know, they can be the leader of the smile movement, even though they've carried some of this baggage that's, you know, been with them since five, 10, 15 years old. 
Well, I'll tell you what, it's been a really interesting life because, you know, I had, oh, by the way, I'm, my friends are on a vacation and I'm watching their dogs. So all of a sudden their dogs are crying too. They're like, oh, she's crying. I think I'll, I'll, I'll sympathize with her. Um, um, you know, I've, I've learned so many skills over the years. I mean, right away, I knew even as a teenager, I was cognizant enough and had the emotional intelligence to know that what I was experiencing wasn't normal because I go to school and I'm like, well, my friends are not talking about their mom and dad, not speaking to each other, or gaslighting. That's not happening here, you know, and, and then um, going through my lifetime, you tend to, um, attract or work with people who you know how to deal with. So I have worked with some really um, challenging narcissistic people, very focused on themselves and what they do and handled it well. I mean, and it was still able to work with them and handle. So a lot of my PR stuff, um, working with celebrities or at least not A-list celebrities, but celebrities in their field. Um, There are people that I've worked for that nobody knows that I've ever worked for them because the way I signed the NDA, they don't know I ghost wrote books for them. They have no idea that I, what all the things that I did for their business because my name wasn't attached to it. I was like paid to be quiet, which is interesting because when you look at my lifetime, that's what I, that's what I was raised to do is I was paid to be quiet. Like you can go do this or we'll buy you ice cream if you just shut up and don't tell people about this stuff. So recently I've decided that I'm not doing that. I've like when, especially when I'm like, okay, you people can talk about this. I don't have to live in a closet and keep things quiet anymore. So I've been very open and candid um, about what's going on in my life because what people seem to like about me is my authenticity and so i'm like wow bring it on people i'm laying it out (laughs) yeah i love it i love it yeah because i mean there's so many challenges with you know having parents that are overbearing or you know have some of those narcissistic you know tendencies and you know i've just noticed through my friends peers that like it it carries with you and i feel like there's like always like a pivotal moment for the people that have got turned the corner where they're like, I got to let this go. You know, yeah. like I can't let this get in front of what I want to accomplish. Was there a, a time where you had to, you know, leave that stuff in the past to get to where you wanted to go? Yeah, there's been multiple events that have been catalysts to it. Um, and then training. So like over the years, I, I've done counseling and all the things like that. But I was like, this is not fast enough. How can and just talking about it just made me cry more? I mean, you saw how instantly revealing something with words just boom brought me to tears and how quickly I was able to resolve and the resolve that resolution I've done through I'm I'm a master practitioner in NLP neurolinguistic programming I'm a dual trained as a master hypnotist I'm trained in like 11 other healing modalities and yet look how sad I was just two minutes ago um but at least I can release some of that emotion and let that go. So today, because it was the first time I was wording it such as that I did live on the air somewhere to the world, um, that triggered, you know, some emotion that now I know, okay, I can really say in those words now. <laughs> so next time I won't be, <clears throat> you know, cry like that. Um, not that crying is a problem, but, you know, I want to be control. I would like to not have to feel that pain when I can recall it and know that it was painful without living the experience. And uh, so all of those skills help have helped me to be better. It's also what made me very resilient. I started my life, my career in law enforcement, and that's because I wanted people to have a voice. I wanted to, you know, um, be the person. So I, I worked at a jail, a corrections officer, and then I was a 911 operator at the police department. I was trained as certified as a police officer, but a dispatcher. And, you know, taking those 911 calls from people when there's crazy and, and, you know, knowing how to handle that stuff. So I'm very good with um, solving problems and emergency management. And that's because I had to, as a kid, I had to mediate those things without outside resources. Wow. So it's so interesting how like all your past experiences kind of lead right up into how we get to get you on the podcast today. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities, right? Like you've been around a lot of conflict and uh, one, 
I really want to thank you for, for being transparent with us. Like I did not expect my question to lead where it led. And the fact that you felt comfortable enough to express your emotions, like, thank you. And, uh, I know our audience is going to thank you because it's just, this went a completely different direction and I love where it's going because there's just a lot of hidden gems, a lot of things unpacked. Um, but I'm really curious about this part. It sounds like there's a trend with you being kind of muzzled, right? Like doing work for this company or this individual and then paying you to be quiet kind of sounds like there was some of that in, in your childhood. So what was the breaking point for you to be like, no, like I'm not going to just be in the shadows. I'm not going to not speak my mind. Right. Cause I would imagine holding on to that was festering. Right. And it would kind of maybe like not make you feel the best. You're stressed out, kind of anxious, but like what finally got you to the point to just be yourself and just be free. Well, some it's so like it's been a catalyst. So like seven years ago, well, almost eight years ago now, um, I had a business partner who um, flaked on me when um, uh, my mom and daughter had uh, kind of a tragedy on the same day in the morning. My mom found out she had breast cancer again and pretty scary. And, uh, you know, we were questioning her life in what 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 would look for her and then that afternoon my daughter had a tragic horse accident that um you know um her horse bucked her fell on her and then stomped on her leg like that to get up and only her calf muscle was holding her leg on so you know we had this fear she's gonna die she's gonna lose her leg she'll never walk again you know and now they they both are doing great destiny has this gorgeous internal titanium jewelry you know so she's she's doing fine and because she had that crazy broken leg it caused her to have a stroke which we never would have known that she has this certain genetic disorder where she wouldn't have been able to carry children <laughs> to uh, to full capacity. So because of all that tragedy, I have two wonderful grandchildren. It's kind of crazy how things work out. My mom's doing great. She's um, had a breast cancer scare a third time, but she's doing phenomenal and she's really standing in her voice and doing great. You know, so, uh, but my business partner, when he flaked, he said that he didn't think because I had people to take care of in my home, he didn't think that I had the capacity to care for our clients. So he had um, dissolved our business relationship without my input. Like it was like just not happening now. <laughs> and we had an event coming up. In fact, it was so funny. I'm on my way to go work with the Jackson family. So I that is one celebrity family I can say I worked with. And so I was in, uh, in charge of like some PR and pictures and stuff and some other things with the Jackson family and for the celebration of life for Michael Jackson. And I'm on my way there. <laughs> And I get this news that I no longer have a business partner and I'm no longer speaking at my own, our, our, our own. And there were his events, but I was definitely part of them. And that's where I made most of my income was at his events. So, uh, you know, talk about crazy. So then I, you know, went, went through all the stages of grief, you know, sad, mad, angry, you know, whatever. And then I kept seeing things. And another catalyst for me was, um, do you guys know Sharon Lecter? She used to. Uh, Proctor, right? With, yeah, yeah, she's amazing. Um, Sharon Lecter, Richard Kiyosaki. She was. Is that the secret? Um, no. Um, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is oh, was his. okay. Got you. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. Did you say Proctor earlier? Yeah, he, no, he's a speaker as well okay. um, who just passed. But uh, no, she worked with Robert Kiyosaki. And she was really, you know, the wind beneath his wings, so to speak. And and she never talks bad about him. However, I heard people talking about her and I'm friends with her. And I would hear how they would say, wow, how she did all of this. And yet wasn't really shown the appreciation or the love of the value of what she presented and brought to that movement. And so when she left and was doing her own thing, you know, people, the people knew where the authenticity was coming, you know, they loved her and followed her. And then seeing that I was noticing other people, both men and women who've dedicated their careers to helping lift other people. And then there's sometime being this catalyst where these where. I don't know if it's ego, money, greed, what, that all of a sudden the people behind the scenes, you know, that have been doing all of this, the gratitude is no longer there. And they don't realize that in um, lifting the person who's been lifting you, 
you both can lift bigger and make whatever you're doing, whether it's a movement, a project, a business, bigger by looking beyond yourselves. And um, so I'm seeing a co- I'm seeing a correlation with that over the last couple of years. And I'm like, I'm not okay with that anymore. I'm not okay with being silent. I'm I wrote a New York Times bestseller that I can never tell anybody. I mean, I could say I wrote it, but I can't tell you who, what, where, what genre. So what good does that do to tell you that I did it besides uh, I write good? <laughs> yeah. And I know that I'm speaking for multiple people who have been silenced for years. Yeah. Yeah. So being able to still carry on and you, you got a lot going on, right? you got the nonprofit. Well, I definitely want to get more into that. The keep smiling movement. You've got your PR business. You mentioned crypto. I mean, you, you're a mover and shaker. So despite, having these these setbacks like we're, we're you know getting past covid right you know hopefully it's crazy you read about like shanghai and china they're like locking shit down it's just wild how they can just like press a button and five million people show up for a covid test and they just shut the whole city down like if they did that shit in the usa like can you imagine the anarchy that would be you know going oh yeah on. talk about revolts yeah. <laughs> I mean, like yeah so you know obviously it's a, it's an interesting time i think you know therapists right now psychologists psychiatrists they're probably booming just mental health is so massive so someone like you that's been able to still keep pushing despite the these challenges that are thrown your way what are some things that have worked for you over the years that have allowed you to have a throw a curveball thrown your way get some bullshit thrown your way but just get back up dust your shoulders off your your knees off and then keep going what's been working for you well one of the best things is to um, get out of the story so i grew up in a world where the story was repeated over and over and over again. Like, so like things that happened when I was seven, you know, I hear, um, I'll just use my dad as an example. So my dad is still telling the story from how he was heard or something that happened. And we all now know that the story's bigger than that. And it's been apologized for those people are now dead. So maybe you could let go of the story. And I get it that often people can't let go of the story, but part of letting go of the story is stop repeating it. And the other part is to word it differently, to use different languaging. So instead of saying, um, um, they left me, you say they've um, um, uh, gave me the space to uh, do better things or to move on. In fact, I, I should uh, check my languaging. I, what? You, help me, guys. Help me do a, a real life check on myself. What did I say? Oh, I said my business partner flaked on me. So that means um, it doesn't mean that I did anything wrong. So I took any blame off of myself in the moment. Although at the same time at a core, I do think what did I contribute to that relationship that would allow that person the space to think that they couldn't talk to me or be in it. So I do take responsibility for all of the things that work out and don't work out, but I don't have to blame myself. So there's no, I don't have to shame myself for that anymore. So, and when I say they flaked out, it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It doesn't mean they've done wrong. It doesn't mean they're doing anything criminal. It just means for the moment, <laughs> whatever happened. And so flake is um, not a painful word for anybody. <laughs> so we've all had a moment where he flaked out a moment. Um, I don't know. What's your take on me saying that? Yeah, no, I mean, actually it makes perfect sense. You know, it's like the, you don't want to use words that are, you know, like demonstrative where they, it's a negative connotation and flaking. Like when you said it the first time, like I just was like, Oh, like it just didn't work out at the time. And that's exactly how I took it. And, you know, you hear a story of a, a business breakup, you could hear a lot of really negative words thrown oh, in that yeah, conversation. They, they, I, I'm actually writing a book right now called, um, it's based on a chapter. Um, I, I own another business. This is how I, st- so I started my career in law enforcement. I left law enforcement, uh, went back to school and um, had a teacher who taught my human sexuality class 
class. She was the same age, so I was a non-traditional student. She invited me to go to, to a sex um, like therapist research conference kind of a thing. And it was for educators, counselors, and therapists. And I just fit in. And I was very comfortable talking about topics like sexuality and bodies and so forth. Because when you work in a jail, I worked in the violent felon ward. Okay, I'm responsible for a lot of men and often when they're sleeping. <laughs> so, you know, you see things that you weren't planning on seeing that day. And you have to be able to deal with it effectively without being a big deal. And then I worked with uh, 73 men at the police department. This was before sexual harassment classes. And and not and not that the guys were harassing, but we had a language that would not be acceptable today to talk about at work. And that was our normal. And I actually remember it fondly and have a lot of laughs with it because those things weren't offensive to me because I know how to hold my own. I felt very comfortable saying, no, thank you. I'm not interested. That's too far. Where people who don't have the that um, confidence to set those boundaries, uh, definitely they would need those um, new laws that we have today or boundaries around that. But um, having that um, capacity to do that, um, I realized that I could be a consultant and talk about people and their marriages and their relationships and specifically niche about sexuality. Uh, so I actually was called the sexuality tutor for a very long time. And then my clients started hiring. I, I had a lot of um, clients that needed me to be quiet, <laughs> never make sure that I was never going to say anything, you know, whether it was law enforcement, judges, celebrities. So I got this reputation that Andrea could keep her mouth shut and you could tell her major secrets. And so I was in that industry. And, and what I found is we rarely talked about sex. It was about money and parenting and functioning and business and everything else. So uh, my clients loved me. And then they would say things like, hey, I have a business meeting next week where our corporate executives are like meeting with our staff from the manufacturing building. And, you know, like there's a disconnect. Could you come in and talk to them about like conflict resolution? And I'd be like, okay, sure. <laughs> So I did. And so then I changed my name to Ignite Your Relationships because procurement had a hard time writing a check for the sexuality tutor. <laughs> <laughs> their CPA, their CFO is like, yo, what's the $6,000 to the sexuality course? Sexuality tutor <laughs> um, from a company that does break lines. We're really confused. <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't well, know if we can expect this out, but no. <laughs> yeah, we just bought a bunch of sex toys. No big deal. It's annual conference this year is going to be really fun, guys. <laughs> <laughs> totally different way to make sure everybody's satisfied at home. <laughs> uh, totally different menu. But uh, it was from that that um, I did all these other things as well. And that's when I started writing books and started helping. And then um, I was going to publicity. Um, I, I was doing publicity for myself. And um, I also ran online support groups for women all over the world. So thousands of women. So my first dissertation was really based on communication I had with thousands of women who were um, uh, in other countries. So I had to deal with two different ways of thinking too. So I had women in the Middle East who were beaten and maimed. I even have one woman, I'm confident she was killed. I just spit on it. Sorry. I'm confident she was killed. Um, and that was really hard. So it was shortly after that, I started phasing to what could I do more in something else because I had no control to help her. Um, her mother-in-law and husband would beat her for having an inability to consummate her marriage and have children because she had a, a vulvar disorder that um, created um, really horrible pain for her. And um, she wasn't allowed to see a doctor. So there was very limited ways we could help her by talking over, remember when we had dial up, <laughs> do, do, you know, that's how I communicated with these women all over the world. And, but because of that work, I was on 2020, you know, E! News, CNN, stuff like that. You know, I got, I got seen and heard in a new way. And so 
my confidence did bloom there because I knew that I could make a difference. And then I started doing more with publicity because that's, and speaking even more because I realized I did have the capacity for people who wanted to hear me about specific topics. And, and what a difference to be told to shut up that I didn't have anything important to say to being paid to speak. Man. Wow. What, what a cool story. <laughs> and, and I really love how you explain how you went from law enforcement to being an entrepreneur. That was one of my questions I was going to ask you because that's pretty random, right? You go from being in law enforcement to this badass entrepreneur and you've got such an amazing story. And uh, I didn't know all this about you. That's why I love these podcasts, right? Because I know a little bit about you, but you know, having these real conversations with people like yourself, this is this is what it's about. So I know winners. You guys are getting a ton of ton of value from uh, from Dr. Andrea. So this is this is great. Thank you for dropping these bombs. My uh, you know my my feedback is, or I guess my what's going on in my head. I'm just like, man, isn't it just amazing, Keita, how the shit we go through when we're younger, it might be bad, but like here dr andrew is able to take all the conflict and all the bullshit you went through when you're a teenager younger you know and i think some of it had to do with your parents maybe other you know people in your life but you were able to take that and then you were able to essentially get paid to handle relationships right like you wouldn't have the perspective on relationships if it wasn't for your prior experiences so how cool is that to be able to take your prior experiences and find a way to get paid yeah it's um um, when I, you were talking about, uh, you said something earlier about digging for something and, and, and it thought of one of the things I say with my clients is the first thing that we do in publicity um, or any part in their life, but especially for the red carpet connection, I say, let's dig for the gold. And I look for stories, you know, and um, moments of uh, uh, resilience and things that they've done, awards they've achieved, um, radio and television they've been on, uh, knowledge and information they've learned. You know, like I mentioned, you know, I've shared the state. Anthony Hopkins is one of my proudest moments is, you know, being able to speak on the same stage as him and have time with him afterwards to talk one-on-one because of the, the uh, nuggets I got from him on, on a, a, a just amazing man. And it's, and what I ask of all of you watching this is, yeah, you're hearing my story and that's great. Fine. Okay. That's interesting. Maybe it might even be entertaining, but take it and listen to everything I say and, and, what the guys are saying and and look at yourself as far as like what what's happening in their lives and how can that be applied to mine and what is the lesson for me from whatever I'm hearing because everything we share is just based on our experience and our perception of what's happening and it doesn't have to be yours but you have your own perception and how can you handle that and what can you do with that i mean i have a whole playbook written on how i've become a publicist because my parents ran they were runners so i have a whole playbook on that's my whole life i was set up to be a publicist because first of all i had to keep secrets but they also ran. So I had to know where we were going. I had to look for races when we got there. I was an only child. So I had to know how to travel. I had to know where to park. I had to hold all their crap. I had to hold their mile markers and log them all. I had to meet other people. I had to find out locally where was the place to go eat. When was the awards award ceremony? Get my mom her dry clothes, you know, give them water at mile marker three. And that's what a I'm a hands-on publicist as well. So I have some clients, I go with them to events. And then, um, so um, Kita and um, Daniel, so what I might do, let's say, um, let's say, uh, Daniel, you're my client and Kita comes to talk to you and you guys are talking and you and I, Daniel, have some, I, we know how to, we give each other like, you know, hand signals from softball, baseball, we know. So I know that you need to move on. Like you love Kita, but you want to do a follow-up call with him, but you need to go do something else. So I come over, talk, interrupt and go, oh my gosh, Kita, I didn't really get to meet you. Hey, I have Dan, I have a call that I need Daniel to get ready for. So here, why don't you, and I literally move you and direct you over here and get your information and follow up with you. I maybe take a picture of you. And then, and then to, 
move you on, then I would say, oh, Kita, have you met Roland? You know, you should talk to Roland. Come over here and talk to Roland. And then I get used to talking so that I can break free and do whatever else I need to do with my client. And that's part of the law enforcement too. You know, um, I had the pleasure of being able to do other things in law enforcement, um, even though I was a dispatcher and like working the presidential, when the presidents came through, you know, move managing people in crowds and silly stuff like that. Uh, but it just allowed me to um, use that. So all of that publicity was came from being a little kid and knowing what to talk and what to do and how to manage people in a big space or in a crowd. <laughs> and I need you at the next networking event. <laughs> Sometimes they'd be talking my ear off, you know, and you got to just segue into something else. But while you were talking, you know, a, a, a quote just kept st- sticking in my head, like, and you survived, everyone has survived 100% of their worst days. And like that just kept coming to mind when you were speaking because you basically turned all of your worst days that you've made it past into a unique skill set that you provide value to the marketplace. I mean, from executives to, you know, women in other countries, you know, it's your unique skill set that you've acquired through your experiences and, and through your life that now you get to bring to the marketplace, which is completely unique to itself. And then you're 100% yourself, but authentic. And I think that's, you know, the, the formula that for what we see today. Well, thank you. And and that's what I'm always looking for and clients and people that I work with because they they we all take what we do for granted. Um, it's actually only been recently. Um, there are some things that I've never talked about really that I'm actually taking ownership now and being proud of. So, for example, I have my PhD um, and then um, I never said that I had it or anything or that I did all this PhD work until um, I helped someone else get their PhD. And um, through um, I have a so I have a degree in public health, community education and health promotion. And I'm actually all but dissertation because we had a national flood emergency and I actually never got to sign off on my first Ph.D. So I'm really Ph.D. all but dissertation, even though I wrote the whole freaking thing, except for the sign off. Okay, so I did all the work (laughs) and. uh, so then when I got the second PhD, it's from the International School of Entrepreneurology, and so it's accredited internationally, um, I could officially call myself doctor, and I didn't say that. In fact, I before, I never even said I was a PhD all but dissertation. I said nothing. And um, then when my friend started saying that he was a doctor, I'm like, why? helped him write that, you know, <laughs> I mean, he, he did all the work himself, but I did, I did help unpack it for him. So I, I know that he had an easier road than I did because I had already experienced it twice. So I was able to open that road for him. And, and I don't want to say that I, he, I, I don't want to take any work away from him. I just was for myself, I needed to honor the work that I did. And so I'm like, well, if he can, I can call myself a PhD. But what I never admitted till like, it's only been the last maybe not even two months, is I have a third PhD that's non-accredited. Um, I was interested in different things. I was questioning religion, you know, when you grow up with crazy, you know, you like, why is God doing that? You know, and so I started, started studying different religions and I worked with a woman who taught me for oh, over several years and the discipline and the work that she made me do, I, it was harder work than both other dissertations that I did. And theology and religion. She made me go and talk. I went and talked to the imam, the Episcopalian church, the Baptist minister. You know, I went and really talked to these people about what do you teach your your congregation and what do these things mean? And 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 so my education is just immense. Um, but that's because I, as an only child, when you live as an only child and you don't have anybody else to play with, books were my friends. So I thirst for more knowledge all the time. Hence why I pick a picture like this is my background. <laughs> it looks like it's a Beauty and the Beast in the background, like the big old library. Yeah, I I do have an affinity for dark, old, scary libraries. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I, I said the right thing. I my daughter's thirteen, and I've seen every Disney movie there is. So that's that's what reminded me of that. Hell is old as time. Yeah. Oh shit, we're gonna get some uh, <laughs> some, 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 some. Hey, I love that. That's uh, you are you do have a really good voice. Yeah, and, uh, voice is yeah. awesome. Yeah, I've been in um, 
I forget. I think it's 64 uh, theater productions now. Um, wow, that's incredible. What, haven't, what haven't you done? Um, I, I, I've never played basketball. Okay. So you, can't, <laughs> you can't shoot with Steph Curry and LeBron James. Okay. We got you on one thing. Okay. Not a, not a. Okay. Good to know. So let's go with, let's pivot on the, the nonprofit. So the Keep Smiling movement, the audience doesn't know too much about it. I know a little bit about it. Great. And, and I'm grateful to know about it, but it just seems like with all the bullshit you've gone through that this, this nonprofit is just like the, the stars aligned. And, and I know you're a big part of running the show. You know, I know you've got a partner or two in, in this nonprofit, but you're a big piece in running this show. How, how did you end up getting involved with this nonprofit and do you feel like when you look back at it is it like man this is just meant to be all, all, my life is 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 set up to be a part of this nonprofit yeah, it's very interesting when things become a, a life calling to you. Um, the first time I knew that I would do something with smiles, I was in, I believe, in eighth grade. My aunt, Audra, is three years older than me. And her she's very beautiful, but her teeth were a little crowded. But she still had a perfect, imperfect smile. And when I would make her laugh, she would go... <laughs> <laughs> and never let anybody see her smile. And I remember saying, why do you cover your mouth? And she um, had expressed something about being embarrassed of her smile. And that always broke my heart. And I always said that someday I would do something so that people would either be confident in their imperfect smile or give them the means to correct their smile so they could be confident. And over the years, I've been really more driven to help them be confident with an imperfect smile because sometimes our imperfect smiles are perfectly functional and we're changing them only for vanity reasons. And then I like I notice on TV, everybody's teeth are exactly the same. And so I even find people attractive now whose teeth are imperfect because now they have character instead of looking exactly like, well, you know, our little smiley, Visalign teeth or whatever. By the way, no negative to them. And I still would love them to be a sponsor. <laughs> I got a big ass overbite with my teeth. I've had my overbite. It's because I, I stopped with the braces and the retainers. So, you know, my, my grill is not perfect. So in a, uh, just a, a quick little mission statement, like what, what is the keep smiling movement about? What do you guys do? Yeah. So we're a mental and dental health organization and we save lives with smiles by creating a dose of hope to be resilient, no matter the challenge. Oof. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's great right there. Money. Yeah. That's money yeah, right that's there. A ta that's a tagline. You copyright that. So trademark that. So basically it sounds like you guys have done work or still do work where people that have, you know, a, uh, you know, a, an issue with their teeth, you guys, you know, get them hooked up with dentists and kind of give them dental care. Well, we want to do that. Yeah. So what happened is so, so this is how this all came about. So I mentioned the, the flakiness seven years ago with the business partner when I'm on my way to Michael Jackson. Yeah. And then I'm like, crap, what do I do now? I got, I, I like, that was my, I had given up my whole life to, to partner with him and be focused on what he was doing. And I'm like, well, shit, now what am I supposed to do? And I was really, and then I had my mom and my daughter and I was really distracted. And I kind of moved away from the sexuality tutor, ignite your relationship business. And, um, and so I'm like, do I want to do that again? Do I want to do more with the publicity? You know, what do I want? And I went on a cruise. I went on the internet marketers cruise. So friend said, you need a break and vacation. Let's go to other countries to get your smile. But, you know, let's give you a reason to smile. And while I was on it, I met this guy named Ken Rashawn. And a shortly, and he, he, he was a photographer and he paid me, no, never mind. <laughs> I don't even think he took a picture of me. Like, but I noticed him. So I'm trained in forensic profiling. And uh, so I noticed some things about him. Like one of the things I noticed him do we were told specifically not to pass out business cards or to do flyers or do things like that. And he did it anyways. And then he got chastised publicly for doing it. And when he got chastised for doing it, I was watching the crowd and watching him and they were like, oh yeah, he shouldn't have done that. that but, but nobody was mad. They were like, look, oh, he shouldn't have done it. But nobody was like, oh my God, that's heinous. You know, it's not a big freaking deal, you know? And, um, and it was, 
a card in their mailbox at their room. It's not like you were on an email list or like it wasn't inconvenient. Like, oh, how dare you give me a card? And I saw him being chastised by the captain, you know, of this group. And he was going, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, mm, I see. Mm. And I was like seeing this little shit eating grin. And I'm like, oh, that fucker. He knows he's doing that. <laughs> and that's exactly he knew that he would just get in trouble for it and he could apologize and he could do it. And I thought how freaking brilliant, <laughs> literally <laughs> like that was amazing. And like, cause no one really cared. And they really thought that the, the shaming of him, then they felt sorry for him because he was shamed publicly in front of 400 people, you know? And then, <laughs> so that just created this hystericalness of the whole thing. And I was like, this guy's freaking brilliant. And I just saw other things in his behaviors and stuff. I'm like, he's got this, tenacity to do some things and cross lines. And I'm okay with that because I really feel like there are blurred lines with things. Um, I do think rules and guidelines are there and that we do need to follow them for some means. But I also think that they're created by other people and sometimes they're unnecessary or over resilient or over restrictive. And so I went to a couple different events and I kept running into him, this Ken guy this photographer. And I was like, hmm, we keep crossing paths. Something's up here. And um, about that same time, he met another guy named Barry Shore. And Barry Shore is this older guy. He um, was a former quadriplegic whose rabbi gave him a card that said, keep smiling or said smile. And he saw this card, thought about how he'd been feeling sorry for himself and realized if he took his rabbi's advice, he could change the external situation of his environment by smiling at people and being friendly and using his voice, which he could use his face and his voice. And people started coming to see him like vendors and other people's mom and <laughs> grandchildren would come to visit him. Can you imagine somebody comes to see you, you know, in your room and then you're like, why did they leave already? And you find out they're down the hall visiting somebody else. <laughs> and so um, Barry then started thinking, wait a minute, I've changed my external environment. What if I could actually walk again? What if the doctors are wrong? So he believed and willed himself to smile or well, to walk again. He's, um, you know, he, he uses a like an eight foot or six foot walking stick. He's uh, needs some assistance and other things, but he's an amazing man doing amazing things and he's mobile. So hallelujah, you know, how amazing is that? So he passes off these cards that say smile. In fact, I have one here in front of me and um, they keep smiling like this. And he was passing them out all over the world. And Ken met him and was like, oh, my God, this is phenomenal. I'm a photographer. I could take pictures of people holding this card and, and then do something with them. And then Ken also owns a publishing company. So he thought, oh, I've taken a whole bunch of these pictures. I'll put them in a book together. And about that time, he met me, Mark. I reached out to him and I said, you know, I just feel like there's something something there, something there that wasn't there before, you know, <laughs> and uh, we started doing business together. He said, help me with this movement. I jumped full in. I needed something. Remember, I had just been flaked on by my partner. Yeah. I needed something to put my heart and soul in, something to believe in. And Ken just happened to see my need, my heart, my willingness, and was able to snag it. You know, who knows? I could have been doing anything you know i could have been elon musk protege or something you know <laughs> Who knows? but you know Literally. ken happened to capture me with this with this uh, keep smiling and i became so passionate about it i really do see it as a child i see ken as the father me as the mother and barry as the grandpa you know of it and uh it, and it's my baby and i kept saying ken this should be a non-profit ken this should be a non-profit you know because we've been now um the three of us have been doing this now for you know, multiple years, I think we're at like four and a half years when I was like putting my foot down, let's do this. And I couldn't get anybody else to do it. In fact, Barry said he already had a nonprofit and I researched and I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> and I said, can I create one? And he's like, sure. And I couldn't get anybody else to do the research, pay for it, start it. So I did it. So I, I created the nonprofit, the Keep Smiling movement based on these two visionaries ideas. Wow. And then uh, you guys have a lot of uh, a lot of people you guys have been able to impact and it's international, right? 
Yeah, we're international. We have cards in 27 different languages. Ken Ken has traveled, I think, to 103 countries independently. Um, but uh, he and I have traveled to over 28 countries uh, together on different trips, travel trips, cruises, and different things. Um, we used to travel all over the United States together uh, prior to COVID. I went to, I think, 179 events that year. Um, I think he was with me at at least 125 of them. I mean, we just were everywhere all the time and we photograph people holding these keep smiling cards and ken's baby part of it is handling the the taking the pictures processing them i also take them and then he puts them in books with like-minded people and then we collect their stories and publish their stories as a dose of hope so hope is hold on pain ends and the more you smile the more pain eases till eventually it doesn't hurt so bad anymore he might have a reflective moment now and again but for the most part you can stay in a happier memory of it and then i'm focused on the operations of it um, trying to pull and money and funds. Um, I wrote a curriculum now for keep smiling ambassadors, keep smiling photographers. So that way we're cohesive in the same language and we're doing what's correct and making sure that we follow everything that needs to happen for this movement to be even bigger. And then um, I also have a curriculum for the mental health part. And then so um, so it's funny, this whole conversation started because you said, do we take referrals for dentists? We also want to work with dentists because there are people whose smile uh, needs to be corrected. And um, I'm actually getting ready. So I'm so yesterday I found out um, I did. I've known for um, since last year, I've had some dental issues. It's actually above my dental line. I've had a weird undiagnosed infection in the space up in here. <laughs> And it tries to get out through my teeth and has caused some teeth problems all over. So like, I'm literally missing a tooth right now. Like for somebody to be the keep smiling movement, I'm like, oh this is like flipping me out. But the bone is too spongy to do an implant. And we're trying to figure this out. And then now with the infection part up here, it's eaten my bone. So I'm actually missing a part of bone like this. And it's also eaten away part of my nose cartilage. So I've been told to grow bone and not to get hit or get in a car accident because my face could literally cave in. And um, uh, and so I just went again to the surgeon yesterday because the infection keeps coming back and they're finally uh, referring me to an infectious disease doctor because they don't understand why it won't heal and why. it. So they think it's some strain of infection that um, doesn't respond to antibiotics completely. So they're looking at um, I've already been told I might have to have six cadaver replacements in here. And now because it's expanding this way, it's I'm looking at like. Yeah. So um, it's made me very cognizant of, I know what I'm going through and I have support and I have and some insurance and, you know, insurance doesn't cover everything, but, you know, I, I at least have a family and support and people around me. And then look at all these people who don't have that. And so what can I do to utilize what's going on for me to help other people? Cause it's made me very aware of how difficult that is to, um, you know, be told that your face could be disfigured, you know? Yeah. And then you just go back to hope, right? I, I've never heard, yeah. I've never heard of the acronym hope like that. Hold on pain ends. Like that's, yeah. that's just so real and, uh, <clears throat> relatable for all of us. Right. Cause so one, yeah. I send in positive energy out your way, Andrea, I hope, uh, you know, things, um, get better with, uh, with your, your face and your teeth. But then I started laughing when you were saying like, I'm like the face of this, this nonprofit key, you know, keep smiling. And then my teeth, I got this going on, but that's just, that's just who you are. You keep it real, <laughs> right? I, I can't expect you to have these fake, beautiful teeth. I'd call you out. I'd be like, no, that's yeah, not no the, veneers, yeah. no horse teeth. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that ain't you. Um, on the, on the PR side, PR is just so massive, right? You're, uh, you know, if you, if no one knows about you, it's, it's going to be hard to get, get seen, get, get business, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, uh, just a fact. So yeah. what are some things that, that you do on the PR side? Um, you know, 
I love PR. It's a lot of fun because you get to just talk to people. I mean, it's literally, I'm like, people are like, you know, what do you, what, well, don't, what do you do for fun? And I'm like, well, I have the publishing company and the policy. And they're like, no, I mean, what do you do for fun? And I'm like that <laughs> I get to travel around the world. I go to conferences. I meet people. <laughs> I get to do all this cool stuff. I get to help elevate things that are important to me and help. I mean, I mean, my tagline, so to speak is, I help high-level, impactful visionaries achieve their dreams bigger than they ever dared to dream or desire. And how freaking cool is that? I'm like a little fairy godmother. Ooh, <laughs> my little gold dust. And um, and help inter- – so what I do is I introduce them to other people so that we could figure out how to JV and do things. Uh, Daniel and I are doing that because when I found out that you can help people – in fact, I talked to somebody today. I was like, he – he helps businesses with their business to grow bigger. And I said, oh my gosh, how wonderful could it be if you have clients who want to grow and expand their business and really get their leadership in place, they could utilize their IRAs to be able to borrow against them or whatever the correct wording is that you use, Daniel, so that they can um, further on and do things and hire like my other client to be able to do this great stuff because he literally helps them make more money and helps them function in their business and take out the emotions of it. I mean, like what a cool thing. Yeah. Um, so I get to do that is make those partnerships happen and, and match make people up. So here I am taking my sexuality world, and, <laughs> you know, creating a Tinder for business, you know, <laughs> and, you um, and then I also get to do publicity. We write really great press releases and talk about really cool things that are happening. I just did a press release about Gino Jerusi has the song called why can't we live as one and we're sharing the song with the world. It's been gifted to us to use utilize to raise money for the Ukraine and help those people who are hurting so that they have peace of mind, um, you know, medical supplies, etc. And it, it, what a beautiful thing to do that. By the way, you can go to YouTube and go to Keep Smiling Movement, go to our channel, and the song is on our channel there. Or you can just go to www.thekeepsmilingmovement.com and you can see the video there. If you'd like that, tag that. Part of making that viral will really help uh, the Keep Smiling Movement um, help Gino get this song out there to the world. I actually want to make it the next We Are the World. Well, with uh, your backing, it's possible. Yeah. And I'm really glad we're getting to the PR stuff because I had a uh, question in mind. You know, when you're talking about PR um, and public relations, like, you know, perception is everything, right? When in, in public relations and just frame in general. Um, what do you feel connects the audience or, you know, resonates with audience most? Is it the overcoming of our struggles or is it the result, you know, the accomplishment? You know, what, what do you think resonates with an audience more, the, the struggle or the result? Um, what I notice is people, you know, while they love a mess to success story, uh, they only like the mess <laughs> if the success fo- success follows it. So they want to hear the take action. And that's what they're, and then they're missing. That's what people want. So a lot of times people come and they're like, and I do this now. And you're like, woohoo, but what's this missing part? And that's what they want to buy. What are the features and benefits in here that can change and catalyze uh, what I'm doing so that I can make it better for me? That's what people are wanting to hear. So when we do, so my press releases, I notice get to get picked up really great. And my, and when I write articles or books for people is because I'm, I find a connection in between things things I, I go beyond just selling to because to me, um, it's not about selling. It's about um, creating human capital, which is the greatest gift of all. If you can put people in alignment so that they can better themselves, then they'll better other people. It goes along with the mission of the Keep Smiling movement too, because we're amplifying goodness and layers along the way. And then the red carpet connection is uh, has an acronym of RED. So you need to be relevant, enthusiastic, and have delivery. When you have all three, you hit your target market every time. And that leads back to my law enforcement days because I was the first person to ever, first girl to ever pass and the first person to ever get 100% at the school that I trained on for firearms. So when you hit your target market every time, you know you've got somebody you can confide in and you can trust to have your back. Yeah, and uh, right. I, I know, Andres, you definitely have uh, – 
your, your clients back. And uh, guys, winners, definitely hit up uh, Andre on the PR side because uh, you're definitely really, really good at what you can do. And uh, I know you take your job very seriously. And, and like you said, the fairy godmother making some magic happen behind the scenes. Proof's in the pudding. Yeah. The proof is in the pudding. Sure. So that pudding, link, I'm hungry. That, <laughs> that, uh, it me is too. lunchtime, huh? Yeah, me too. That, that link... Winners that uh, Andre reference and, and all of her other links, uh, we'll make sure to put in the in the show notes. If people want to learn more about you, what you do, where is the best place for people to go to? Um, I, you know, I have um, a, an eight video series that I could give people that literally map out like what do you need to work with a publicist, how to get your stuff and your collaterals together. So it's like a little mini easy course that's free, simple, easy. Um, right, my VA though just had an earthquake, and so he. <laughs> He didn't get it completed before. Hopefully everything's okay with him. Um, but if you go to the red carpet connection to that website and reach out to me, you either text me or email me and just, um, you know, put uh, Daniel blue or just blue. Um, I'll know what that means. And I'll, that way, I, and by the way, when we do connections, I want to know who connected you to me yeah. because we want to make sure to love on Daniel. Should we do any work together? Daniel should be rewarded and loved on for that connection because it's when you love on those people for creating the connection, then they want to make more connections for you. So let's all do that. If we all did that, we'd prosper so much more. Um, so reach out to me and I'll map you through if you need a consultation because you're like, okay, what do I need to do so I can fast start all this great money now that I have access to and can really figure out how can a book change the trajectory of my business and what should I do? Should I do paperback, hardback, write a book, a novella? You know, what do I need? You know, please, I, I love people and love to talk to them. And I love love masterminding and brainstorming to see how your life could be even better. So it's me. Guys, hit her up. You will not regret it. That's again, the redcarpetconnection.com. We'll put that site in the show notes. Go follow her on, on social media. She's a, a great follow and uh, one of the most incredible human beings that, that I've met. And I'm not uh, I, I'm not lying. I, I got a lot of value out of this conversation. And uh, I know the winners did too. So I feel like uh, you're just scratching the surface on your potential though. I feel like you have a lot more people to impact. You're a, a special soul. So Seriously. I'm really grateful to to know you and uh, I appreciate your time here on the show. You crushed it. So uh, winners go support her and uh, what she's doing. The keep smiling movement is a, is a great movement as well. And uh, don't, don't forget about that. Hope right. Is uh, yeah. that hope is, is, is massive because uh, that, that pain eventually is going to end. So Kita, can you have a Mai Tai for me in, in uh, Hawaii? <laughs> I definitely can do that. I'll have a, I'll have a double for both of you. Okay. I love it. We should create a drink called Keep Smiling. Oh, by the way, I have a whole curriculum for Keep Smiling that we go around to corporations and churches and schools and communities and talk about how to be resilient because if people can be resilient, they can do anything. So, yeah, but, key, and, I'm, right. and I'm looking, by the way, because I'm, I'm using your platform to, because you opened a door for me that I've been wanting to do. And so I'm like, might as well announce it here and make it true. Come on, I'm, bring I'm, it on. I'm done playing second fiddle. So I'm ready to take the stage again, full force. So if you have a, a webinar, a whatever, a, a stage, a city, an event, call me. I'm, I'm there. I, I, let's, let's make it happen. And then I'll even sing for you. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> That's uh, the real treat guys. Yeah, your audience will not be disappointed. Well, uh, appreciate it. I feel like there was a few things that you felt comfortable saying on this show and, and Kita and I do not take that lightly. So uh, winners, I know you guys, again, got a lot of great information out of this. You guys have a great rest of your week. And uh, Kita and Andrea, I'll catch you guys later. Peace. <laughs>